Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. Thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate that. I, uh, I'm such a lucky guy. I uh, don't mean to brag, but I just want to just tell you about how wonderful my wife is. She got me a bag of beans from Summer Moon. And I know I've talked at length about uh, one of my favorite coffee shops, Summer Moon. But this is the first bag of beans that I've uh, I've gotten from that store, from that uh, shop. And this is their Velvet Blaze. It's a medium blend. And she's so good to me. She knows exactly what I like. This particular blend is oak roasted coffee, which uh, I, I'm paying more attention to the roasting process these days because I'd never really paid much attention to it, uh, just kind of taking it for granted. But it's, uh, it really affects how the coffee comes across in terms of the palate. Uh, you know, this one and some that I've reviewed recently uh, just don't have that bitter aftertaste that I'm kind of used to. And what I'm noticing is that it has a lot to do with the particular roasting method and in general just how how the particular coffee maker uh, goes about doing that this is probably another small batch coffee uh, blend you know that I don't see summer moon making a ton of of coffee the way that some of the big companies do and it really comes across They've designed their own roaster, which is kind of cool. It's a twin fire brick roaster, which I'll be honest, I have no idea what that actually means. I mean, I have watched YouTube videos of them roasting coffee, but uh, I don't really understand the roasting method enough to tell you what a fire brick roaster is. But I do know this, it tastes delicious. Uh, it's a, I think medium blend is kind of the sweet spot for me. Um, the dark stuff is good, but and same with the light. But I guess I'm I'm just like that little bear in the uh, in the Goldilocks story where I don't like it too hot, don't like it too cold. You know, this is this is sort of the happy medium. And I love what they say here on the bag. We created a roaster that brings out the natural what is it natural affinity between coffee and wood. That's that's something I never really thought about before like what wood they use to roast this coffee with is probably as important as like whatever wood the barrel is used for something like wine or scotch something like that just that uh that relationship she was even so good to me that she she got me this mug from there as well uh it's it's called their hipster mug and full disclosure I am not a hipster um I'm not that I'm saying anything is wrong with being a hipster. I'm just not hip enough. Uh, I'm probably too old. I think I've aged out of that demographic. Maybe, you know, 30 years ago I could have been, but I, I don't think back then we just called them hippies, which maybe there's a correlation there. <laughs> but yeah, this uh, this mug is quite, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's, it's handmade. I, uh... My wife is too good to me, I'll be honest. I, I uh, probably don't deserve her, but thank you, Kim, very much for, for my wonderful coffee gifts this morning. 
few weeks ago, I was a guest on the show Out of the Blank podcast, and it is a long form uh, discussion type conversation format. And it, it's really interesting how this happened. Um, Robbie, the, the host, saw me on Instagram, I think. So I looked him up and started listening to some of his episodes. And what he does is these conversations with various people. I won't call them interviews because it's not a traditional uh, question-answer format. He's uh, just really good at striking up natural, organic conversation with random strangers. <laughs> so that's a, a skill that, uh, that I think is uh, very rare these days. And it was just really interesting. We covered so much territory. Uh, it, it's a long episode, and it's kind of the opposite of what I do. Um, I typically have outline put together and uh, anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes come in here and uh, try to be as succinct as possible. But just because it's me alone, um, and I don't think you guys want to hear me talk for two hours, that would probably be a little much. So, um, but this was a, a fun experience because I just got to, you know, just elaborate on on pretty much anything that came up. And uh, so I, I really hope you can give that a listen and some of his other episodes as well, because he sometimes he talks to doctors or scientists and other times he's talking to somebody from a railroad that works on the railroad or somebody that makes knives or pastry chefs. Uh, it's just such a wide variety of people that he brings onto his show. So, and what was crazy is that within three minutes of having a Zoom call, and we talked for a couple of minutes, we just jumped right in and never met the guy. And we talked for, gosh, I think it was two hours. So it, uh, it was, it was really cool. I'm glad he, he hit me up for that, but I will link this in the show notes and uh, make sure you check out some of his other episodes out of the blank podcast. I first heard about the third eye from Tool's album, I Enema. And that album was where I first heard of the comedian Bill Hicks, who spoke at length about the third eye. And I'll be honest, I thought it was a just a metaphor. I didn't think it was a physical thing. I thought it was all about perceiving the world as it is rather than the glossed over facade that commercials and TV shows kind of lead us to believe. But it turns out it's a real thing in our brains. Uh, the technical name for the third eye is the pineal gland. One of the main functions is that it regulates melatonin and serotonin, uh, the levels in the brain. So when the sun goes down, it makes lots of melatonin to make us sleepy. And when the sun comes up, it converts melatonin to serotonin in an attempt to make us happy and just be a morning person, right? <laughs> now, I'm typically not this person, which is why I need coffee before making 
any kind of big decisions. And I mean any decision, such as what shirt will I wear today? Or is it Tuesday? No, no, it's got to be coffee first. But the body's default setting is that we wake up a happy morning person and there is no reason to worry about a single thing. The philosopher Rene Descartes believed that this was not only the mind's eye, but actually the seat of the soul. He believed it was where your soul entered from the non-physical realm into the physical. He also believed that this is why we see one image instead of two with our eyes. Even though we have two eyes, it turns into one image, and this is why we have depth perception. The knowledge of the third eye has actually been around for a really long time. It's even on our dollar bill. The Buddhists believed that it was the symbol of spiritual awakening. The Taoists thought it to be the mind's eye or heavenly eye. And then if you look at ancient Egypt, there are numerous references to the third eye in the pineal region. For several thousands of years, both, both the east and west have viewed the pineal gland as a connecting link between the physical three-dimensional world and the psychic dimension beyond it. And what's crazy is that it's only the size of a grain of rice, but it does so much. It is essential in how we sleep, uh, how we perform, how we make decisions and perceive reality. Most people can sense when they're not living up to their highest potential. The knowing is subconscious, but it's a feeling of not being connected. And one of the reasons that we fail to operate from that higher self is that our brains rarely function the way it was designed to its full potential. Most of the time, the pineal gland is not functioning properly and it's not by accident. The good news is we can change that. Hindus believe that a blocked third eye leads to uncertainty, confusion, um, jealousy, uh, even cynicism or pessimism. And when the third eye is open, we perceive reality differently. We have clarity, uh, more intuition, empathy, focus, and decisiveness. Activating the pineal gland brings a major significant connection to the natural world and more of a willingness to let go of the ego. Things like lucid dreaming or astral projection and enhanced imagination become easier when we tap into the potential of the pineal gland. It's the gateway to a higher creativity. Unfortunately, most of us have calcified pineal glands. They become this way because of the pesticides in our food, uh, the standard American diet of processed fatty foods, and also fluoride. Now, before you dismiss me as some conspiracy theory nut job, hear me out on this one. There's been a lot of studies that show the dangers of fluoride consumption. Um, not the least of which is what I mentioned above about calcified pineal glands, 
but it also causes arthritis, kidney disease, it lowers IQ and causes brain damage, it harms male and female fertility, uh, it weakens the skeletal system, it causes cardiovascular inflammation. It's, uh, it's bad stuff. The fluoride debate is a little misleading because people have people don't differentiate between natural fluoride and synthetic fluoride. The natural fluoride is a trace mineral. It's a form of calcium fluoride. But calcium fluoride isn't what to put into our water supply or our pesticides or herbicides. The fluoride used in public water is is a non-pharmaceutical grade synthetic material like hydrochloric acid or sodium fluoride. These are toxic chemical byproducts of aluminum, steel, and other things. Hydrofluoric acid is used to refine gasoline and a lot of other products. And these fluoride chemicals are added in small doses to the majority of our water supplies. There are over 50 studies that show fluoride and how it reduces human intelligence. I don't know about you, but I, I love water. I mean, besides coffee, it's my favorite beverage. And since you can't really make coffee without it, I, it probably is my favorite beverage. And if you drink water in the U.S. from public water, then there is a better than average chance that you have fluoride in it. So what do you do, right? Filtering it using a method called reverse osmosis takes out about 90% of the fluoride. Before researching this episode, uh, my experience with fluoride was like, oh, it's the stuff that makes your teeth healthy. It's in toothpaste, right? And I thought it prevented tooth decay, but the evidence doesn't support this. The studies show that there's no difference in tooth decay between nations that fluoridate their water versus the ones that don't. Europe has banned it altogether in the water supply, and their tooth decay has actually decreased considerably over that time. The same principle applies to toothpaste. The fluoride is not helping our teeth. There are some alternatives, though, to the major brands that don't contain fluoride. Um, another thing you can do is get rid of nonstick cookware. Most of them contain a coating of PFOA, which I will attempt to pronounce, but no guarantees on that. Perfluorocatonic acid. Even with my bad pronunciation, you can hear that they have fluoride. It's a fluoride-based substance. You can swap out that non-stick cookware with either stainless steel or I like the ceramic. Uh, I've recently got one of those, and I think I'm going to just upgrade to all ceramic now. Or you can also go with glass or cast iron. And we all know it's best to eat organic foods, but here's just another reason. Fluoride's high toxicity makes it an effective ingredient in commercial pesticides. And also just avoiding processed food helps. Virtually all processed foods have some form of synthetic calcium uh, chemicals in them. And that leads to... Uh, calcification of the pineal gland. Decalcifying it is imperative. While it does take some effort, the benefits are enormous. 
now that I've talked about how to detox the pineal gland, let's look at actually how to activate it. The most traditional method of opening your third eye is through meditation. To me, meditation is a method of just building awareness or just getting better at paying attention. It's developing the observer self or the witness. And when I think about this, the observer is neutral. Even when my mind is, is racing and I have thoughts bouncing all over the place, I don't look at this as a failed meditation. I uh, use it as an opportunity to just merely observe without judgment. And when I do this consistently, I create a space between the experiencer and the observer self. And that tiny space has done wonders for me, for my personal development. I looked up the third eye meditation and I got this technique. So what you're gonna do is sit in a comfortable, relaxed posture. I will be honest, I don't get into like full lotus. I sometimes just sit in a chair. But you close your eyes, um, allow your breath to become deep and slow, just meaning that you don't force it, you just watch it. And detached observation will naturally cause your breathing to slow down. Then you rest your attention on the third eye region, just above and in between your eyes, and again without strain or force. You can also imagine that you're breathing in a golden white light through the center of your eye. The key is just to remain relaxed and avoid trying to focus any part of the exercise. And the reason that this works is that you're focusing your internal energy on your pineal gland. Earlier I said that one of the main focuses of the pineal gland was regulation of melatonin. They've done scans in people that meditate regularly and they find an increase in melatonin secretion. Another method that I have found but not yet practiced is called brainwave entrainment. And there is a lot of YouTube videos for this called Binaural Beats. And the idea is when you simultaneously hear one tone, uh, one pure tone sense wave in one ear and another sin wave in the other ear, it creates this auditory illusion. And the goal is to induce a particular state of consciousness by entraining the brain to focus on the frequencies of those sounds. I couldn't find any studies on this as far as how effective it is, but that's not to say there's uh, no merit to it. And there are some that take psychedelic drugs to stimulate the pineal gland. And while I don't doubt that this probably works, I, I won't be trying this method, um, not just because it's illegal here in the, <laughs> the state I live in, but my theory on mind-altering substances are is this. In order for a psychotropic drug to work, you know, whether it's an antidepressant or a psychedelic or, you know, anywhere in between, my brain has to have a receptor for it. So this means that my brain can already produce these chemicals naturally. 
when people take a placebo, they focus on a certain outcome and the brain produces the chemical needed for that experience. It's like having a pharmacy right at my disposal, or as uh, Wim Hof likes to say, getting high on your own supply. Once the pineal gland is activated, I can perceive reality differently. It's, um, it's a way of noticing all those unconscious behaviors and discovering a new way of living. I mentioned several studies in this episode, so I will link those in the show notes uh, so that you don't think I'm making all this stuff up. I can't tell you enough about what it means that you listen to this. I, I really, really appreciate that. So thank you so much, and I will talk to you next week.